House of Cards Season 3, Episode 3 is over, but we're just getting started here on the House of Cards post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who are drinking from a $750,000 gold bottle of vodka and smoking cigars in the basement as we record a podcast. I'm Rob Cicerino. Here's Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Um, I'm doing great now. i am uh, got a nice buzz from vodka and like, beer pong again. and all the partying. Again! Yeah. Yes. Do it again. One more. One more. One more. One more. More, please. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. We are talking about an episode where it was the Russian prime minister. Is that the right? The Russian president. Russian president, right? Petrov. Yeah. President to president meeting. Okay. And he was there. And this was an episode that pretty much for the most part took place all about the meeting with Petrov. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit with Gavin, a little bit with Doug, but for the most part, it was a meeting that took place most of the time at the White House with Underwood and Petrov sitting down face to face. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, I really like this because we get the dueling Frank and Claire both c- trying to work their plans. Uh, and it was nice to get just a taste of some of the other subplots and, and, and set up what we're going for for the next couple episodes. Yes. Just like a taste, like a tiny pickle. Yeah, exactly. Not even a shot. We have a lot to uh, break down from this episode. Of course, uh, we want to hear from you guys uh, every week uh, or every episode. Uh, you can send us your emails to House of Cards at Post Show Recaps. Uh, you write the chapter title in the subject so we know which episode to pull up when we do these recordings. Uh, we will be pulling up your chapter 29 emails in this podcast. Also, if you want to subscribe, make sure you never miss an episode of the House of Cards post-show recap. You could subscribe on iTunes at postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. Um, did you feel like Petrov is basically a, a one-to-one for Vladimir Putin? Yeah, except I kept wanting to call him Prokhorov, who's mm-hmm. the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. <laughs> in my head, I, I wrote it down in my notes a bunch that it was Petrov, but I kept, uh, I kept referring to him as Prokhorov. Yes. Do you think that we have a full-fledged villain for House of Cards season three? I don't know if he's going to be the big bad. I don't know if he's the big bad for this season, but uh, I do like that he stands up to Frank and, you know, we're we're looking for people who are actually not just going to get pushed over by Frank Underwood. So uh, maybe Petrov is that guy. My biggest question watching the episode is who were these protester people? Yeah, I was really confused. Uh, I mean, I understood the protester was kind of in the beginning, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I work by the White House, and so I, I walk uh, near the White House a lot before and after work. And there's always somebody out there protesting something. Um, so that wasn't surprising to see that. But the I think that their name was Pussy Riot. Okay. I, I rewound it a couple times. So I think they're a band that's like a... They're like a band that stands up for, for issues in Russia, I guess. Okay. Like social band. And, and yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, this is, that was Frank's plan, right? Don't you think? Um, I don't think that was his plan. Um, I guess, are they, are they real? I mean, I looked it up on Wikipedia real quick. Pussy Riot is a Russian feminist punk rock band protest group based in Moscow, uh, founded in August, 2011. Uh, and it's a variable, uh, membership of approximately 11 women ranging in age from 20 to 33. So Maybe this was the part that was sort of lost on me. I just didn't understand why they were invited to the dinner. I think that Frank brought them as kind of his uh, safety valve. And in the beginning of the episode, when Frank's talking to Remy, he says, make sure the band is turned way up. 
uh, and make sure Pussy Riot is here for dinner. Mm. So I think I think Frank had them just in case things went bad. He was able to and do exactly what he did. Uh, if he couldn't come to an agreement with with Petrov, he could have Pussy Riot and say, I, you know, I stand up for these people. They're freedom fighters. They're patriots of Russia. You think he, this was that far thought out that he thought that maybe things were going to just totally go bad. And so he had the ultimate like ripcord to pull. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when have we not seen Frank Underwood with some sort of backup plan? Boy, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I feel like that it was more of an improv uh, ultimately than this was like his ultimate backup plan. He just didn't look that mad. Well, you know, at dinner when they when they dump their champagne or whatever they were drinking their wine out, uh, he didn't look too upset about that. Hmm. No, he didn't. He didn't. I didn't really understand why they were there, but I don't know why Petrov didn't get more mad that they were there. Yeah, and I don't know why Petrov didn't like re- didn't recognize them, uh, and he just kind of shook their hand and took a picture with them. If they're if they're always kind of speaking out against him, yeah. Okay, I do see a story in my Pussy Riot Google search that Pussy Riot tells off fictional Russian president on House of Cards. Oh, see, so, <laughs> this might be their big break. I bet they're climbing up the iTunes charts right now. Yes, uh, according to the Huffington Post, they say we knew Pussy Riot would make an appearance in season three of House of Cards when they posted photos from on the set last year. Now it's finally happened and it was awesome. It was okay. <laughs> Pussy Riot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go download some of their stuff when we get off. Uh, do you think we're going to see Pussy Riot again this season? Mm, I don't know. Because the episode closed with their video also. Which was really strange. I was trying to figure out. I was like, okay, are they in Russia? Or are they in D.C.? And behind them, you could actually see a sign that said, uh, I don't remember. What the, there was some bar like screwdrivers or something, Washington, D.C. Uh, and, and that looked nothing like Washington, D.C. Yeah. So there's there's Pussy Riot, and so they're a big deal here in season three of Party House of in the Cards. nation's capital. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I was really confused. I was like, especially when Petrov said to Frank Underwood, "See, uh, like, oh, President Underwood, you're lucky that you uh, decided not to have kids." Like, I'm like, are these his kids? I was very confused about this whole thing. But that's just I, I'm in my Pussy Riot free bubble, uh, and now <laughs> I've been exposed to the Pussy Riot. I. Uh, so I wrote that line down as well, because again, we're getting a hint to Frank Underwood's kids. So yes. that can't be a coincidence. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk this through. Um, did you feel like Petrov's endgame? I, I felt like when he talked about the one thing that he knew he wanted, I'm thinking that this was an indecent proposal all the way through. I am thinking he's going to say like, uh, Mr. Underwood, you want peace in the Middle East? I want to sleep with your wife. Yeah, he definitely was hitting on Claire a lot and uh, pretty overtly. I mean, he, he lays one on her uh, right in the middle of the ballroom or whatever they were, the parlor, I guess. Yeah. Did you feel like, I, I don't want to spoil anything from Game of Thrones, so let me just put this in very spoiler-free terms, but you're caught up on Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I just felt like this whole episode, like everything going on with the Russians was just structured very similarly to the Joffrey wedding episode that it was just like one big party that was like going on and on. And there was all these like awkward moments of, and you know, again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I just felt like uh, it was, I felt somewhat similar. Yeah. I mean, I could see that with, with the different toast. There was, um, 
not as much entertainment, yes. not as much ridiculous <laughs> entertainment as that scene. There was no minstrel scene, but yeah. there was just a lot of like with, uh, you know, Petrov like playing the Joffrey character of sort of like with like, uh, like more shots again. Like, oh, sir, you know, I think we've had enough here. Like, no, no, it's not over till I say it's over. Oh, man. I, I can't believe how easily all those people took the shot to vodka. I guess that was good vodka. So maybe it was a little easier, but I guess of so. $750,000 a bottle, they said. <laughs> that's absurd. Yeah, that's Same. crazy. That's yeah. crazy talk. Uh, I would have taken mine home with me. I wouldn't have drank it. Yeah, well, I think the bottle, they said the bottle was pure gold, too. So I think the bottle is probably worth a decent amount uh, you know, without any liquor in it. Petrov keeps the bottle. Like, he's just like, he pours it, but then he's like, he has his guys like taking the bottle back with him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, we're going to refill this one. Yeah. Is that a real thing? You're more boozy than I am. Um, oh, 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 all right. <laughs> I mean, most people are more boozy than I am. But... Uh, uh, do you do a shot and then you sniff the bread and then you do and you sniff your wrist and then you do well, a you shot forgot. and eat the pickle? Oh, you forgot one of the steps. You have to say new <laughs> new. <laughs> yeah, you, you take the shot. You sniff the bread. You say new. You sniff your sleeve. And uh, I have to find in my notes if there's anything else that you do. I think that's I think that's it. I think Petrov is just messing with people. If I'm ever like some sort of like foreign dignitary. And like they welcome me to like their country or if like aliens ever abduct me and take me to their planet, I'll be like, OK, I'm going to teach you one of our American Earth rituals. Uh, it's like, OK, first you take the donut uh, <laughs> and then uh, then you stick it on your finger. Uh, then you spin around in a circle six times. Uh, then you ring. Then you ring the bell uh, and then uh, <laughs> then you go back in the circle four uh, times the other way. Um, they say, This is what we do. And like, oh, OK, good, good, good. And I'd just be cracking up. I mean, I actually did have an experience similar to this uh, on spring break one year where we met some Canadians and they taught us this cheer where you go, I think it was, you take your drink, whatever you're drinking, you go up, down, in the middle, on the table, around the head, book. And at book, you take your drink. Are you sure that's not the Contra code? <laughs> it's pretty close, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, you know Underwood has this whole plan of this, everything that he wants to do uh, with Petrov and he wants to get them in on this Middle East uh, peace talk. Did you quite understand how the Russians were involved in this uh, peace treaty for Israel and the Palestinians? I mean, so there's the there's the Jordan Coast, I think is what they called it. The um, Jordan Point, maybe Oh, Jordan Valley. That was what it was. And. There's there's a lot of battle for control of this Jordan Valley area, and I'm not I'm not very good with like Middle East politics and kind of understanding what the Jordan Valley represents. Yeah, but it does seem like you know I I just kind of like thought to like a game of Risk or, or one of those strategy games where people are trying to control the surrounding countries around uh, around Israel. Okay, so. It didn't seem like either the uh, Israeli delegation or the Palestinians were that excited. They finally found something that, you know, Israel and the Palestinians could agree on that. They both yeah. did not like uh, President Underwood's plan. Yeah. The, <laughs> the enemy of my enemy. They do not like so, uh, so they don't like Russia. <laughs> President Underwood did find some common ground finally uh, for the uh, team Israel and uh, team uh, Palestine. You know, I mean, he should really be selling that to the press. He's a uniter. Not a divider. <laughs> no president ever has been able to do this. Reelect me. Yeah. Anyway, so we get from the moment that Petrov gets there, he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And Petrov's arrival, it didn't feel very American to me. Like the outside of the White House that they showed and the way the carpet was done. I felt like we were watching something going on in like Great Britain. Hmm. Did you get that sense at all? 
No, but I don't know how they do things in Great Britain or in America. So I really could not tell you. You would be the person with the more expertise about how we do things in D.C. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just something about it was it just didn't. I mean, I, they were playing the Russian national anthem, which I would imagine they would do. Um, but I don't know. It just didn't feel like we were in America at that point, just for that little snippet. Yeah. President Underwood really did try to bend over backwards for Petrov at a number of different occasions uh, between he gave him a surfboard. What'd you think of his uh, surfboard? It had Beatles lyrics on the back. Yeah, that was back pretty in cool. the USSR. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, apparently Petrov, he only goes surfing just for the appearances. He's a poser. Oh, what a poser. And he said the waters are cold. The women are warm. Yeah. So um, that's why he's doing it. What do you think about the line that Petrov said? He's like, oh, you should bring your wife. She'd like it. There's a lot of artists there. Oh, man, I wrote down zing. <laughs> that was great. You got Petrov. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, that's that takes some balls to say that to the president, right? I mean, it's almost like this whole time, like Petrov is just trying to get Frank Underwood to like take a swing at him. Yeah, well, similar to uh, what was his name? Sabata. Was that his name in the in the first season? The the union leader who, mm-hmm. who Frank pushed him to the limit and then he took a swing at him. Yeah. Is that what Petrov was going for? A reverse Sabata. Reverse Sabata. Because um, I'm pretty sure Petrov could take Frank Underwood. I don't know. He's pretty skinny. Yeah, but he's tall and he's Russian and he's, he just seems like he's like a Bond villain. Yeah. Well, that he definitely is. Is uh, got the Bond villain vibe going for him. Yeah. Although technically was Kevin Spacey ever a Bond villain? No, he was a Superman villain. Superman villain. Yeah, he was Lex Luthor. Close enough. Uh, I feel like at one point it was rumored as a Bond villain. Yeah, I mean, he could be a... I could see him as a Bond villain. <laughs> he would the the smart guy, you know, he's got the henchman working for him. He would be good. Anyway, so Petrov, um, during this whole dinner scene, um, it's really just like one thing after the next and just his advances on Claire Underwood, who actually had a lot to do in this episode. I feel like since the last time that we spoke, um, we've seen about a month go by seemingly in House of Cards time where it was Easter in the last episode. Then in this episode, we just sort of like yada yada through the appointment of Claire Underwood as the UN ambassador. I really thought that was going to be something that we were going to actually see on the episode. It just happened over the recess. Yeah, that would have been a pretty cool like ceremony swearing in to see. Um, and we also, you know, we haven't seen, we didn't see the state of the union. Like we're, we're not seeing some of these things that you would expect uh, we would see in Frank's first year as president. Yeah. Uh, again, these episodes are going by like a month at a time. So the next episode that we pick up in episode four, and of course we haven't seen episode four yet. Um, it's going to probably be, you know, uh, middle of June. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it was May when this episode was going on. Yeah. I said that in one of the lines, but it's hard because, you know, like an episode like this really just took place over the course of like two or three days. So we're going to like come back and be like, boy, America works is really taken off. Yeah. And this is kind of how they do in Mad Men, right? Mad Men is just kind of a day and then they, they jump ahead in time, right? Yeah. Mad Men is about the same thing where it's about every episode, uh, you know, takes place about a month or so, three weeks after the previous episode. It's like the complete opposite of 24. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Petrov really was putting the moves on Claire Underwood and it seemed like she was a little flirtatious with him. And let, let's talk about Claire Underwood's dual jobs here as the first lady and the ambassador. Um, now, Petrov says to her, you're a better first lady than you are ambassador. Do you buy that? Or you, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I don't think she's very good at uh, she's not being good at diplomat at being diplomatic. That's for sure. 
I think that she did, though, settle into a good role with Kathy, who I like Kathy. And I did feel like this relationship in the beginning of the episode was very tense and it was on bad terms, especially because uh, we had the meeting where everybody kept deferring to Claire Underwood and not to Kathy. And then they had the conversation on the plane. And, you know, Kathy was very deferential, but I thought that Claire said it well when she said that she was worried that Kathy was going to think that she was being patronizing. Yeah, I mean, it was really smart that she's kind of picking up on this and knowing knowing where she stands, knowing her place uh, to start standing up and, and say, we got we got to involve Kathy. We can't cut her out. We got to make her feel like she's important. Yeah. And I think that Kathy would be, you know, a great alliance for Claire to keep around because I think Kathy definitely knows what she's talking about, at least in terms of the, of, of the show. I'm trying to think of a time when Kathy had a plan that was bad. Um, usually I feel like on a lot of these shows, like there's like certain characters that, you know, the plans that they suggest are like, are always the ones we're supposed to be thinking that those are the right plans. Yeah. And Kathy is very stable. Um, you know, even when she was, you know, said she was so drunk, she was still seemed very kind of together and, and she knew what she was doing. I love so. Kathy in the drinking scene with Claire. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really great. Oh, that was very fun. I really did like that. Uh, I liked her talking about, you know, when she used to drink in college and at Tulane and she was uh, drinking scotch and then playing the beer pong. That was very classy the way that they just had like the bowl of like White House ping pong balls in the center. So they didn't have like the like disgusting like cup of water that you like rinse the ping pong balls out in. Uh, that would really be if I was going to play beer pong, I feel like the bowl of like fresh ping pong balls in the middle of the table would be right where I would I would want that that's how I would want the setup to be yeah I was very jealous of that and like they're they're playing with like the White House official glasses and yeah um, that that was really cool very classy um yeah. I like that they just have like ping pong balls like in stock at the White House like I was like, wondering about that like how and they have like branded not just not just like your normal dollar ping pong balls but they had White House branded ping pong balls yeah. Well, I guess maybe they have a ping pong table. Maybe that would, that's what it's from. Yeah, I guess. Do they need that many ping pong balls for? I, I don't know. I, don't I guess know. so. Did Forrest Gump play ping pong at the White House? I don't know. Did he play against the Russians? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was the Chinese. Okay. <laughs> that's a different. And against himself, too. He played a lot of solo ping pong. <laughs> yeah, that's a different subplot. Anyway, <laughs> so Kathy has this idea where she wants to basically circumvent the Russians because after the kiss and after everything that Claire was saying, you know, she doesn't have a good feeling about Petrov. And really, how could you? Who could have a good feeling about Petrov after all this? Yeah, I mean, he's a total creep. Yeah. And so we end up coming up with this plan where we're sort of going to go around Petrov and, you know, Claire ends up selling it to Frank later on uh, when he's sort of like restless and trying to get some sleep. Uh, and she tells him, like, don't give in to him. Don't, you know, he's a thug. Uh, and she tells him about this plan that Kathy came up with. Do you like this plan? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's going to get complicated. Um, and you're, it's almost like a presidential veto. And we heard Frank talking about presidential vetoes. We're going to have like a UN, you know, using their executive ability in the UN to, to make this happen. Yeah. And there's precedent for it, though. So that's good. How do you think uh, Petrov is going to react to this? I mean, he's not going to be happy. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what happens with Petrov from here? It feels like are we going to some the brink of some sort of full scale confrontation with Russia this season? I don't know. I mean, it seems like a very like Cold War situation where we're not going to get anybody firing on anybody or an actual war with Russia. But um, I think we're going to just see kind of a 
kind of a race and, and trying to one up the other. Okay. But that doesn't make for great drama. I feel like we had a lot of this with China last season. Yeah, a lot of a lot of positioning and and moving troops. I mean, we definitely saw it with China there was moving troops in the sea and and now we're talking about moving troops on the land. Yeah. Do you feel like House of Cards, do you care whether the conflict comes from inside the US like internal political things or or if it's external stuff is just as good for you? Like the stuff of US versus other political entities. I definitely prefer the internal stuff. Yeah. I think that's a lot more the the politicking internally. I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I think it's also because I'm not super well versed on international relations. So trying to follow what's going on with all these different countries in the Middle East is like that's like I'm, all right. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I so. agree. I agree. I think that the national politics of the show is much more interesting than when they get into the international politics of the show with the Russians and the Chinese and. Uh, some of the other stuff that they've done. Plus, you know, I think there's going to be much more uh, Middle East stuff going on in this season too. Uh, this yeah. season as well, not season season three, uh, obviously. But <laughs> there's going to be uh, we saw in the first episode with blowing up uh, the you know uh, terrorist cell that was in the car, and then we still have the um, Israel and the Palestinians in the mix. So I would think that there's going to be much more international. Uh, trouble brewing for the Underwood administration. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, I guess what we're seeing is we're kind of seeing the threat get bigger and bigger each season as Frank's power grows. And and one of the things that I do really like about that is that we get to see Frank face off with the Russian president, um, whereas last year he was facing off with Fang, who was, I think he was just an ambassador. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing who he's facing off with getting bigger and bigger. And I, I don't really know how you pop a Russian president, but... Aliens. Um, yeah. Oh, there we go. The Defender aliens that are going to take me. I'm going to teach them the donut ritual. <laughs> You're going to be the ambassador. I'm going to be the ambassador to the alien planet. Oh, man. Um, boy, Petrov, uh, what balls on this guy to put out his cigar in the basement of the White House? So what do you think was the ballsiest move that Petrov did? Because he had a couple of them. Yeah, I would say uh, let's rank them real quick. Uh, number one was uh, kissing Claire Underwood on the lips uh, yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah, so, I think that's definitely number one. That was number one. Claire Underwood kiss. Um, boy, uh, the uh, back to back to back to back vodka shots at the state dinner. Uh, I think that was that was pretty big. Um, I might say that uh, putting the cigar out on the wall, I think, is probably two. Okay. And then three, I think, probably is the uh, quadruple vodka shot. Am I missing anything that was uh, particularly ballsy? I was trying to think if he had any other really ballsy ones. Um, oh, I guess no. When he told Frank that he should bring Claire because there's uh, because there's lots of artists in Russia, <laughs> it's pretty ballsy. Well, and what about when he asked uh, for the U.S. to get rid of the uh, missile defense system? Are we count? Are we counting that? That's way down on the list. That's no big deal. <laughs> NBD. Yeah, NBD. Uh, NBD. Missile defense is five. Okay. So let's talk about some of the other stuff going on besides all the Petrov stuff. And let's start with Doug. And I thought it was very odd in the episode. Like Doug seemed like he was on a job interview and there was like a congressman who was uh, wanting Doug to come and work for him. I'm like, okay, maybe Doug is like venturing outside of the Underwood administration. And he's like, yeah, Doug, I want you to come work for me. I'm thinking, you know, 220. And I'm like, boy, Doug should take this job. And Doug's like, that's too much money. You're trying to pay me too much. I don't want that much. $50,000 more than the cap. Yeah. That was intense. Yeah. 
And did you have any sense of why Doug would not jump at this opportunity? Well, I think Doug, Doug wants to work for Frank. He wants to work for the president. Uh, and he, he knows he's qualified. It's what he's worked his whole career. And he's clearly very driven to do this job. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and Doug, when he gets driven and obsessed with something, he's not letting go. No, no. He's a very obsessive personality, Doug. Yeah. And so, so Doug puts two and two together that this was probably a mercy job that was given to him by Seth and Frank. And he says, ask Seth about it. He starts quizzing him about this uh, congressperson from Hawaii. And he's quizzing him about somebody who is a woman and asks Seth about it. And Seth obviously doesn't know who this person is and says, if you don't know who this person is, then you definitely didn't know who this person is. Yeah. Uh, basically, what he does is he asks, he asks about the Senator Pettit. And Seth knows all about Pettit. But then when he asks about the senior congressperson who's Pettit's boss, uh, Seth has no idea about that person. Hmm. So very smart. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knew so much about the Congress people from Hawaii? Yeah. It's pretty obscure. I did not. I did not. I liked this Pettit character. I think uh, I'd, I'd like to see him come back. I hope we see him more. But now if you're Doug and it's like obvious that Frank and Seth or, you know, whoever was the brains behind this operation, uh, we know that Frank was in on it based on what he was saying to Seth during the episode. Like at some point do you say, boy, I guess they don't want me around. Like, I guess I can take a hint. Yeah. So I'm not sure whose idea this was. I, I actually watched this episode twice and this scene, I caught more of this scene the second time, but I still couldn't really tell if is this Seth's doing? Is it, is it Frank's doing, you know, are they working together? I don't know if they're actually both kind of clued in on this. Do you think they are? Oh, I think that they definitely are. I mean, I think I guess it's a question of who was the mastermind of this. Was it Frank or was it Seth? It seems like more of a Seth thing. Yeah, it's pretty sloppy for Frank. Yeah, I think that Seth is the one that probably, you know, signed off on this and then brought it to Frank. Frank said, okay, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, Seth didn't do his research and he did, had no idea about this other congressman. Mm-hmm. So... I'm um, interesting, interesting. And Doug seemed to be pretty capable uh, in this episode. We didn't see anything with the burp and syringe or drinking too much. He just seemed to be pretty much on his game. Yeah, I wondered, is is he over that? Was that just a phase? If so, that's kind of a weird thing for them to plant for an episode and then just well, go away from it. The other thing that Doug had going on was meeting up with Gavin. And Gavin has like the magical thing where anytime you're on your computer, he could just talk to you. Yeah, that that's your screen goes kind of fuzzy and you get a message with a lot of ellipses in it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it really works like that. No, I, I had some other questions about Gavin's kind of technical tools that he uses. I wasn't sure about what he does. OK, well, anyway, could you give us a refresher on Gavin and what's going on with the deputy director of the FBI? So I think what happened was Gavin was behind a, a big hack of AT&T. And in order to not go to prison, Gavin reached a deal with the deputy director. I think his name is Agent Green at the FBI. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, come work for us. You know, you're kind of working counter, uh, counter cyber terrorism. And if you work for us, you won't go to prison. Okay. So he's, he's kind of a slave to the FBI right now, and he hates it, clearly. All right. Now, here's where Doug comes in. Doug needs to find Rachel. He needs to find exactly where she is. Now, when Doug, if and when Doug finds Rachel, what does he want with Rachel? Does he want to kill Rachel? Is that is this it? Or is he still obsessed with her? I mean, I think he's going to use it for leverage to get his job back. 
and, and use Rachel. Rachel is, is kind of that loose thread, you know, holding, holding on to Frank and, and that, that could really get Frank in trouble because of all this stuff with her. And I think Doug is going to say, look, I have Rachel. I'll kill her if you, or I'll do something with her if you give me my job back. Boy, that's going to be really interesting to me when Doug figures out where she is because does he go to Frank Underwood with the information and say, hey, I know where Rachel is. If I have my job back, I'll give her to you. I'll give her her location to you. Or does he say, boy, I need to go and take care of this. I need to make this situation right myself. And does Doug himself go to where Rachel is and try to apprehend slash kill Rachel and then tell Frank Underwood it's done. I don't know. I, I think that he tries to use it as leverage before he does anything. Uh, I, I, and I just, he's so obsessed with her. I can't see him actually killing her. Yeah. He'll go over there and be like, uh, could you read to me? I brought my Kindle. Yeah. He's like, let's get you deeper into hiding and fake your death. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Birch a little bit. Birch got Birch. snubbed. He got snubbed. He got snubbed. Oh, what's going on here with Birch? Well, Birch is uh, standing up against Frank with this America Works job bill. He says not everything can can go. I think he said not all seven elements of this bill can go through um, right now. And, and Frank isn't going to have that. Frank wants to get his job bill pushed through immediately. Yeah. Frank says that he's a coward. Yeah. Because you can see the back of his head. Yeah. I like that line. He said, what is it? The face of a coward is the back of is the back of their head when they run from battle. Frank had a couple of good lines this episode. I liked when he said, uh, you can't turn a no to a yes without a maybe in between. Yeah. So that was pretty good. I saw a picture with that quote on it on Facebook. That, uh, uh, House of Cards posted. Okay, like I think you're going to say like you saw like it in like some office somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with, like a picture of like the eighth hole or something like that. Oh, man. Frank Underwood motivational posters. I would get that calendar. Yeah, that would be good. 365 days a year of Underwood. Oh, man. <laughs> um, in addition to uh, Pussy Riot, also cameo by uh, Peter uh, Sincati. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, he's a real guy also. Oh, really? I mean, I probably, you know, probably makes me sound really uncultured by not knying who he is. He's probably some good pianist or something. You're probably, you're probably all right. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about the scene in the basement of the White House. Okay, go for it. I just thought that scene, I mean, that was when they're kind of posturing. And and before that, when they're walking down to the stairs, Frank says that he wants to push Petrov down the stairs and light his body on fire. Yeah. And, and they're smoking their Cuban cigars and, and they're just kind of posturing for where in the where in the Middle East the troops are going to be. But the the lighting in that episode was, or in that scene was great. It was it was all in the shadows and you could only see you know, parts of their faces. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, and you would think that there would be like some sort of like security detail, uh, just like, you know, if like Obama, like went down the basement, like with Vladimir Putin, like, I feel like you'd probably want to have somebody nearby. So like, you know, Putin didn't end up like just strangling Obama to death. Right. Yeah. There's a real lack of secret <laughs> service really at all. I mean, in, I don't it, know what happens inside the white. Once you're inside, like, is every, everything cool? I, I don't know. I mean, he's still with a potential enemy. Yeah. And they're like, they're in this dark area in the basement of the White House. I don't know. Yeah. It so. just seemed like it, like anything could happen. There's like this dangerous staircase and whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And, and then, you know, he puts the cigar out on the wall. Yeah. Fire hazard. And then, and then the other, the other thing that I noted was Gavin when he was looking for Rachel on his coworker's computer. So his coworker comes in, he, he sets down his lunch. He goes to go put it in the fridge and Gavin just hacks into his coworker's computer at the FBI 
and you can see on the guy's monitor what Gavin's doing. Yeah. It's like, that seems really sloppy. I get, I get that they have to show what Gavin's doing, but I could just walk up and be like, wait, what's, somebody's on my computer. What's going on? Yeah. So you're saying that it would be better for Gavin, like Gavin should have like written into this hack where like the guy's screensaver comes up, but Gavin could just control his computer. Yeah. Or like, you know, they have the, they have the boss button on when you're watching March Madness <laughs> online and it's just like a really boring Excel document. Yes. Yeah. Something like that would be a little bit smarter. All right. Now you're ready to get into some emails. Yeah. All right. Chapter 29 emails, episode three of season three. All right, let's start off with the the great Jessica Frey. Uh, Jessica Frey starts off by saying that in the third episode of House of Cards season three, uh, in three episodes, uh, we have yet to have ribs. Why has there been no scenes of Frank eating ribs? He should have made Freddy his personal chef. Um, Freddy left us in season two of House of Cards. Frank has not had any ribs since, right? I mean, he, I'm sure he's had ribs. We just haven't seen them. So we only see one day in, you know, in a season. Will Frank Underwood eat ribs in season three? I think he will eat ribs on screen in season three. I don't know. I that, think it's, he's going to get back to his roots. That thread just might be lost. Like it's it's just kind of something that defines him. Like even Chili's is running ads on Twitter right now with with Frank Underwood and rib. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like a House of Cards ad about ribs. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Underwood. Maybe this is a potential job ribs. for him. <laughs> yeah. A- after he's done at the White House, he can go work for Chili's. All right. What else do you have in the mailbag? Uh, so Mike Carrier said, uh, am I the only one disappointed with the show's choice of having the Underwoods presidency so ineffective at this point? I was expecting Frank to have a Willie Mays like presidency run, kicking ass and taking names before having the rug pulled out from under him. Yeah. But instead, we're getting a Willie Mays on the New York Mets, fumbling, bumbling and embarrassing <laughs> How everyone. How dare you? <laughs> I think you could have gone either way with this. You either could have start like like where we season three comes on. It's like Frank Underwood, the greatest U.S. president that we've ever seen. He has approval ratings of over 85 percent. People love Frank Underwood. And then things start to unravel during season three. And whether or not he would be able to pull out of the nosedive or not would have been um, interesting to see which way they would have gone. I almost like that they did the opposite of that, where we're starting with him on the bottom and now we can watch almost like uh, throughout this season, him rise back up and then inevitably fall back down. But I feel like it's going to be probably more fun to watch him pull himself out of this than to watch him in like at some downward spiral from some high position at the start of the season. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to watch that. And you know, if you think about if this actually happened, I mean, are people really going to be embracing some president who took over in the middle of all of this scandal and, and like all this cloud of doubt around him? I mean, he's already kind of getting off on the wrong foot. And, um, you know, and he, he's kind of like what we've talked about a lot. He's a really good politician. He's a really good talker, but he doesn't really back it up with anything policy. Yeah. I liked when Petrov was like, oh, you'll run. You'll run. I know. <laughs> Yeah, and he's, he's like, nah, I won't run. And you can tell he's got this big smirk on his face. He knows yeah. he's going to run. All right, let's hear what Johnny D. Silvera has to say. Uh, Johnny D. Silvera wants to know, uh, are you two going to try to sell Ladas during this recap? Uh, what would you think of the Lada Lexus uh, comparison? Oh, man, the Lada sounds awful. I have no interest in ever riding in one of those. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. He, basically, that was like the breaking point for Frank Underwood. Like he felt like he was like giving a good deal to Petrov. And then uh, he comes back and says, uh, I want the Lexus. Can you show me the Lexus? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he sniffed out that Frank was trying to sell him a lemon. But Frank really wasn't trying to sell him a lemon. I, I don't, I mean... Do we know that for sure? I think so. I mean, Frank Underwood, I would tell us. I, I feel confident that Frank Underwood is like, boy, I'm trying to sell this guy a bill of goods, and this is a terrible deal. If he takes this, he's a bigger idiot than I thought he was. You know, he's not saying any of that. He really is saying to Claire, he's saying that he's trying to make a deal with him. He wants to make it work. You know, I, I think he was sincere in his overtures to Petrov, and it was just like, you know what, that I can't make this guy happy, so I got to go the other way. Yeah, and what really made Petrov mad was that he would, you know, he offered him something, but he wouldn't announce it. He wanted it to be behind closed doors. And and maybe, you know, we're seeing some of Frank's flaws as a president versus uh, somebody who's po- who's politicking for himself. Because when he's politicking for himself, he's, he's all about those backdoor deals. But, you know, the Russian president also needs to have stuff that he can take back to his people. So just a backdoor handshake deal doesn't work for him. Yeah, I like Petrov wanted to go back to Russia and be like, see, Frank Underwood, he sucks. Look at this crappy deal he made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I totally ripped him off. Like, Petrov is like the guy in your fantasy football league that, like, will only, like, make you the trade of, like, uh, Jeremy Curley for Des Bryant. Like, he, he like, oh, and if he's the guy who's getting Des Bryant, like, he won't make you, like, the fair trade. He will only, like, accept like the trade where he totally rips you off. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Also, uh, Johnny D. Severa wants to know how many episodes do you think until they find Rachel? Oh, I think we see Rachel in the next episode. Next episode. Right, I'll take the over on that. I don't think, I don't think we see Rachel. Well, that's not, okay. This, now you're giving me an unfair deal. I didn't know we were doing over under. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, what that is, that is a good deal. <laughs> I'm going back to everybody from uh, Rob has a planet to tell them uh, that, that is a good deal. All right, I'll take that deal. You just have to edit this last minute out of the podcast. <laughs> Why? What's going to happen? Uh, that you know, I don't just we don't want anybody to know. It'll just be between the two of us. No, I'm going to announce it that you made. You said we're going to see Rachel in episode four. Oh man, this is an unfair deal. <laughs> Call my motorcade. Uh, by the way, your wife is intoxicating, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no more shots for you. <laughs> Again. All right, uh, and then uh, you have one last email. Yeah. Um, so Brennan Fitzpatrick, uh, starting with the Rachel stuff that we just talked about, he said, Oh God, here we go with the Rachel BS story again. Why can't Doug and the writers just let it go? <laughs> Doug was much better in season one when he's not hung up on this crap. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I think, it, you know, this could go two ways. Rachel could be more interesting this year or it could be Kim Bauer. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens ultimately. Um, I mean, I'm going to have some faith that the writers have something up their sleeve with Rachel. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's not just going to be like cut and dry. I think, I think she's going to be more involved somehow. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but there's going to be something up with her for sure. All right. We'll see. Um, yeah. We'll be back with our chapter 30. Can you believe 30 chapters of house of cards? Yeah, man, that's, that is a, it's a lot. Yeah. 30 for 30. Uh, bro. Brennan had one more question. Yes. He, he said, who would win at beer pong, Zach or Rob? <laughs> Zach. Oh, you're just going to give me that? <laughs> we already established that you're way more boozy than I am. Yeah, but that's like athletic ability. Beer pong is athletic ability? Yeah, you've got to be able to make the ball in the, in the cup. Uh, you know, I don't think I'd be terrible, but yeah, you know, uh, that's not my thing. Talk to yeah. uh, Danny Sesternino, not to me. All right, well, maybe we'll play a game of beer pong next time we hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Chapter 30 is coming up next. Do you have a hashtag from this episode? Oh, man. Uh, Beatles surfboard, beer pong. 
another shot. I don't know. I, what do you have? Um, I have something that I wrote down, and I can't <laughs> I can't read my handwriting, which often which often happens. It's donut ritual. <laughs> <laughs> donut. <laughs> Don't know which one it is. That's good. Okay, that's what I wrote down. This yeah. happens a lot where I write myself a note and I'm like, what does this say? <laughs> like, really got to try to decipher it. <laughs> You'll have to remember the donut ritual when the aliens pick you up. You're our ambassador. Yeah. I won't. I'm not forgetful. I just can't read what I write down sometimes. Yeah. Alien ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It looks like I did about four or five shots of the uh, 750K vodka before I wrote this. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Expensive. Yeah, this is expensive. All right. So uh, great job, Zach Brooks. Follow Zach on Twitter. He's at Brooks ZA. Of course, I'm at Rob Sestrino. Looking forward to seeing your comments on episode 29. And we'll be back with chapter 30 of House of Cards here on Post Show Recaps. Subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash HOC iTunes. Uh, much more coming up. 10 episodes left in House of Cards Season 3. We'll be back with more tomorrow.